I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome, Vicki. I know we have our special guest here from Montecito Bank and Trust and sponsor of Scam Squad. Would you like to introduce her? Of course. So this is Sean Dyer, who you've all listened to before, who is the Senior Fraud Specialist from Montecito Bank and Trust, and she always has interesting and important information to share with us because she sees firsthand, working at the bank in her fraud department, what is going on out there. So Sean, what do you have to tell us today? Well, hi, Vicki and Patty. Thanks for having me back on the show. Today, I wanted to talk about debit card compromises. And what a debit card compromise is to us is when we receive notice that cards have been compromised at a merchant. We're not always notified of the name of the merchant. We're generally given a date range of when the cards are compromised. And that is most often at a merchant where someone's gotten into their data, which includes anyone that may have frequented that merchant. So it could have the full card number, whether it's a credit card or a debit card. If they use PIN numbers at their location, it could include the PIN number. So these are common. We receive notices of this uh, probably weekly, maybe once every two weeks. Wow. And with all these right. card numbers. Yeah. So it's it's a very common occurrence. Now, and this all really came about after Target and Home Depot years ago. Then they, law enforcement said, we got to get this information out to the financial institutions so they have it. So for us, when we receive those, those cards are put on a certain level of security as far as when they do transactions. They're monitored a little closer because we know they've been a part of a compromise. Lots of cards are on more than one compromised list because they frequent many merchants. That's how common this is. So in general, we, we always remind customers, check your statements, use online banking to review your transactions. And as I've talked about before on this show, our bank works with a, an app called Card Valet, where you set up your own restrictions to your card to add security features to it. So if your bank offers that type of service where you can download an app to put more restrictions on your card yourself, you know that's always a good option. So right now, we are seeing compromise with some cards, and they're going out and testing the cards first. So they go out and buy them. The fraudsters buy the cards. Once they've been compromised, they're sold off on the dark web. So fraudsters will buy a list or a few whatever they obtain, and then they go and do what we call a test transaction online because they don't know how many of those card numbers are still good, are still active. Right. So they do a small test transaction. They're almost always under $5, and they don't what we call complete. It's a test, but they don't ever put anything through because they don't want the customer to be aware that they're testing the number to see if it's valid. So they just test it, and if transactions approve, they know, oh, I've got a good number. Then they'll make the plastic, their fake plastic, and go try and do transactions elsewhere. So over the last few weeks, we've seen that happen, and 
in a couple of instances, the fraudsters are really stepping it up and they are contacting the customer, imitating uh, or impersonating the bank. And they're asking for PIN numbers. And that's what I really, really want to stress. The bank will never, ever ask you for your PIN number, ever. And they're tricking the customers into thinking it's the bank calling and asking them to verify them by giving them their PIN number. So then they have the PIN number, and they can go take that plastic and go do PIN transactions. Yes, they actually manufacture these plastic cards. Once they have the numbers, they can do that? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I say it like that because it's so very common now. And, but they won't have the chip. I mean, that was part of the new chip technology is that they won't be able to do a chip. And they're right. not doing a chip. But if a, if a terminal at a merchant or an ATM machine, if part of it's not working correctly, they can do what we call a fallback transaction where it's not reading the chip and it's relying on like the magnetic strip and your PIN number. Oh, my goodness. So that's why they need the PIN number because they can't access using the chip. When you said you find out from the merchant that the card has been compromised, what exactly does that mean that the card was compromised? Actually, I should say the card number because it's all the card number data that that merchant, when you put your card in at a restaurant or a store, Mm -hmm. they're capturing all that and it's supposed to be encrypted safely and sent off to their merchant provider who processes all their payment information. But those things get hacked all the time. So the merchant, wherever the merchant sends their data, that entity has been hacked. And so that's how the merchant finds out that the card number was compromised because whoever processes their account says, oh dear, this number has been hacked. Or it could be while it was still at the merchant. Um, It could be something that where they thought they did an upgrade and they didn't upgrade all the terminals and somebody was using a terminal that wasn't upgraded and have the security patch. Any stop along the way. How do the merchants usually find out that their data has been hacked? You know, I'm not certain on that end, but I'm going to guess law enforcement is involved somehow. So either they get notified that, you know, the the law enforcement has picked up information from some. In fact, one of them is, it's called a law enforcement recovery compromise, where law enforcement found somebody and they had a whole list of card numbers. So then they go back to those financial institutions that those numbers belong to and say, hey, these numbers were with the fraudster, look out. And so does somebody then notify the consumer, the card holder, like if my debit card number gets compromised and the merchant finds out that it has been compromised, does somebody notify me of that or how does that work? It depends. There are lots of variables to that. It depends on the severity of the compromise, what data was compromised, all of it, some of it, part, you know, Mm -hmm. and it depends on have there been any test transactions on any of those cards in that particular list. For us, any card number that is on a list, a compromised list, we have special fraud rules, card rules in place. They are a heightened on the list so they have a little more security because they are known to have been on a compromised list. So the transactions are scrutinized closer. Okay. But, but we will generally not go out to the consumer and block their card and give them a new one on all of these because there are so many and because we are all creatures of habit. Right. We go back to the same gas station. We go back to the same grocery store. Mm-hmm. That's just what we do. So you'd be getting a new card every six months. We have taken the 
understand of we're just going to raise the level of security on those cards. This is very alarming. I had no idea. I know that credit card numbers get stolen and they become part of the dark web and they're sold and there's Mm -hmm. lists and lists of them, but I had no idea that it was this common. One of us easily could have our credit card number out there on the dark web and it could be sold. Something similar happened to me. I was online and I was purchasing something. Actually, it was for a business purchase, but I accidentally went to a phony site and I didn't really realize it right away, but after a while, something didn't seem right and then I checked my account and a very small amount was charged to my account. It was only a few dollars. And I almost thought, well, that's no big deal. But then I remembered, because you have told similar stories before, that it was probably just a little test to see if they could get more. And so I did end up canceling my card, because I believe it was a debit card, too, which, of course, makes it worse. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sure it was a test. Actually, I should say there's three things. So one, they never put it, they never process it. They just test it to see if the card is active and valid card number. Two, they'll process it, but it's under five bucks, and a lot of people don't balance their statements, even look at statements anymore, and it's just so small, nobody cares. Or three, they'll process the debit transaction, and then they will immediately process a reversing transaction. So there's a debit and a credit. So if you're reviewing your account, you go, oh, oh, I see it. Oh, but there they reversed it. They must have figured out that I didn't do that charge. So you don't think that it's testing. But right. all those scenarios, they're testing to see if the card is an active and Very open card. We should always go through our statements, or if you do online banking, look frequently to see the transactions. And if you see one of those small number transactions, that's really a red flag, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and it's worth calling and blocking your card and getting a new card number because once they've tested, like what we're seeing right now, they're moving on those active cards quickly. But Oftentimes, they will test, and maybe it's not for a month before they use the card numbers. Well, that's very alarming, Sean. I'm very sorry to hear that, but it's really good to be educated about it so we know what to look for. Is there any way to avoid having your card compromised? Are there any safety precautions you should take about where you shop or how you use your card or anything like that? Not really because they're so prevalent out there and the fraudsters are always trying to, I mean, this is what they're after. Your bank offers a program or, I mean, an app like that card valet, block or set your card up so that either it's always turned off and you have to go on your phone app and turn it on before it can be used, mm-hmm. or you can say, I only want to use it at gas stations. I'm only going to use my card at um, grocery stores, or you know, you can set your limits on it, and that can protect some of it, or I'm only, I will only ever do transactions where my card is present. So that would block any internet type or phone order transactions. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. And all these okay. tests are internet type transactions. They're all doing okay. them online first. So you may not see those denied transactions, though, mm-hmm. and know that it's been tested, but you'd be able to block them from happening. Boy, I'm going to be very careful about going over my statements from now on to make sure that none of those little charges are there and that no unauthorized charges are appearing. Sean, I really want to thank you for coming on the show and scaring us half to death. I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't very good news today. (laughs) But But I do have some good news. Unless you've got anything else to tell us, we can go to the good news. Let's go to the good news. That's it for me. (laughs) Okay. 
All right. Well, this is really a good news story and a feel-good story because this appeared, I think it was in the LA Times, and it's a true story about a taxi cab driver who saved an elderly woman from being scammed out of $25,000. So here's what happened. This was a cab driver who knew something sounded fishy when his elderly passenger said that she needed a ride to the bank to withdraw $25,000. This cab driver started chatting with her and asking her a little bit more about what she needed this money for. And she told him that she had to take the money out of the bank to settle a debt with the IRS. Mm. Now, this is where education comes in because we've had so much information out there about the IRS scam that this cab driver knew about it. And so he was pretty sure that she was being scammed. And he started out by pleading with her to reconsider, telling her he thought this could be a scam. And she said, no, 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 I owe the IRS this money. I need to get to the bank and get it out. And then he started to question her about, well, who did you talk to on the phone? And can we call them back and see what they have to say? And she was just very, very hesitant. So finally he said, look, could I please take you by the police station and let's check it out with them to be sure you're not being scammed because that's a lot of money. And okay, she agreed to that. So he detoured to the police station. And as soon as they got into the police station, of course, they told her, oh, no, no, this is a scam. So she understood that she shouldn't go to the bank. She shouldn't take out the $25,000. And this cab driver was really a hero. Aww. So it's nice to have good stories like that every once in a while. That's a that really good story. is. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. It's nice to leave on a good note, Vicki. It, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and thank you so much, Sean and Vicki, for being here today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, You're Patty. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 